I'm going to answer last. You want to answer from all of us, right? <laughs> yeah, what's, so I'm going to answer last. So the question is, what's the thing what we struggle, struggle with as a, as a coach? you learned throughout your coaching that really affected you and made you a better coach? Let's all take a second to think about this one. Mm. Does anyone have anything ready? Nick probably does. Nick, Nick is always really opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. Uh, <clears throat> The thing, uh, yeah, I mean, I can always point to the, the thing that that made me a better coach was uh, forcing myself to fix things on the spot right now, right? So, um, it, you know, I, I I don't think I was ever a terrible coach, but um, especially hanging around Rip, and if you've ever been coached by Rip or been in the room when he's coaching people, whatever the fuck he decides is going to get fixed right now is going to get fixed right now. Where before, you know, if I had clients and they're long-term clients, they're with me for a long time, you see something and you're like, uh, you know, I'll fix it next time. Or, you know, you just get kind of com complacent about things. Um, but it, it's advice I give to all, like, interns I deal with and people who want to be starting strength coaches. I say, if you see a problem, first of all, you have to find a problem. And if you find a problem, you need to fix it right now, no matter what's going on. You know, you just fix it right now because it will force you to develop uh, the ability to communicate to whoever that person is in a way that's going to get them to fix the thing, right? So, because the the old lady is going to have to hear something else than the 17-year-old kid. So, if you just say, no matter what's going on, I'm going to fix this person, then you know you're learning skills as a coach to be able to communicate with people, no matter who they are. Does that does that kind of make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think over the last five years or so, that's been the that's been the biggest thing for me. I struggle with empathizing, empathizing with uh, lifters who give up early. Yeah, I do. You feel your blood pressure going? Yeah, up? Mad. <laughs> no, I'm not mad, man. It's like disappointed. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like when your eyebrows don't move, I get I know, more nervous. It's, scary. <laughs> it's, scary. it's just it's challenging for it's challenging for me because you know I'll watch them and I'm like, man could have had that like yeah. totally could have had that and I don't know how to do it I can't do it for you right I can show you the technique I can do my best to encourage you use motivational interviewing like well why is strength important to you <laughs> and those kinds of things but I can only go so far and um, that's that's challenging for me as a coach you know I think starting strength has taken uh, rip and starting strength has taken a, a lot of uh, for browbeating the last few years about uh, the reputation for being dogmatic about strength training and programming and, and whatnot. And so, um, you know, when I first got into this, when I first got into starting training, I had coached quite a, quite a while, 10 or 12 years already. I was a decent coach. And there were some things that I didn't uh, agree with Rip about entirely. And uh, the longer I've, I've gone on, it's very frustrating to me because he's right about almost all this stuff and um and so there were times in my in my coaching that I would make concessions for my lifters and let them do it the way they wanted to do it because I thought well you know maybe maybe, maybe they are a snowflake maybe they are maybe there is a thing that makes it so that they don't need to do fives they could do three sets of eight or they could do high bars instead of low bars or they could do um you know whatever um programming that isn't LP and do more volume or more exercise selection or whatever and um, man 
I, I've thought a lot about this sort of dogmatic piece for a while, and the, the reality is, is like, yeah, we are, we are, and I am. And I, I've done it, um, I think I've done it longer than anybody on, in starting training other than Rip. Um, and, just, and that's not, that. just by the luck of the draw, I just started coaching really early, and I got to coach lots of hours for a long time. And the more uh, I've done it, I've, I've started to realize, like, there is a right way to do this, and there's a wrong way to do it. And that doesn't mean that you can't get strong, you can't make progress in other ways. There is a best way. And it's hard to argue against the best way. And so figuring out as a coach how to communicate that in an empathetic way to people to help them understand that, listen, I know you think that you can't do it this way, but you can. And here's why. I know that strength training will make you better, and I know how to get you strong. And so figuring out how to communicate that in a way that people can still see that, that it's empathetic. I mean, you, it's really sort of a sales job. I mean, it really is. It's not selling just to make the money. It's you have to sell them on this style of training. And so I've learned that, that you don't need to make concessions most of the time. You need to help people understand why we do what we do, why it's important to do it that way. And, and then it's okay to be dogmatic. I mean, that we have to have principles and value systems that's what we have and so we've developed this this system of training and a style that we've found works for 99.9 percent plus of the population and so um I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm okay with being dogmatic that doesn't mean i'm okay with telling people do it this way or go fuck yourself like it's not it doesn't work very well and so um that's a big piece man you just have to stick to your values and so for me i start to see the compromises with my clients as a compromise on my value system. And it and so then it I, I look back on it and I have some sort of guilt about it. Like, well that's why did I compromise that? And it almost always comes out to to kick me in the ass later. I shouldn't have done it. I should have sat down and explained to them why we do what we do. Here's why I need you to squat this way. Here's why I need you to take the stuff you're doing right now and put it on the back burner and focus on strength because you're you're not strong. We gotta get you strong first and we're gonna do it this way. And so yeah. So, and I've sort of come to terms with that in my own life. Well, that's a tough act to follow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it helps as you mature as a, as a coach, and, a, and actually as you start to actually make money as a coach, right? Because when you're first starting out, it's mm. easy to let clients dictate what mm. you do. That's true. You, you know? need the pay. Yeah, yeah like you're broke. Like uh, Wendler talked about, fuck you money, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Where you know, where you can, when you get to the point where you don't really need that client, you can focus on helping the people that want help. Sure. Um, or you know, if you think it's worth it to convince somebody, you'll convince them. But um, you know, we we intend to fix this thing up between SSOC and uh, starting strength, where you're starting strength coach, you're going to be making money and you're going to be coaching people who want to get strong, and you'll have the tools to be able to explain why that's important. But you know, if the person doesn't want to do what you want to do. They're, they're not a good fit. You know, they're not a good fit. And, and when you, uh, the, the sooner you understand that, you'll, you'll tailor your message better that way. Because it's not that I'm saying to tell clients to fuck off. You'll be, you'll be, able, you'll be better able to tailor your message when you're confident that if you're not able to convince them, that it's them and not you. Um, I think one thing that I always continue to try and learn about and learn from is how to, um, motivate each client of mine like the longer I've had several clients now that I've had for you know more than one year two years three years and you know training has priority sometimes and really low priority sometimes and 
it's really tough when it's the highest priority because their whole life seems to be weighing on every workout session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> yeah. And so managing the emotional aspect of training, I think gets really difficult the longer you're with a certain client. And so um, knowing when you do actually need to say, like, I understand life is really hard right now, let's back off the stress a bit. Or when you actually need to be the boss and say, yeah, life is really hard, but you can still do this, and I need you to do this. Um, and when, you know, it's balancing that empathy and when you need to be a hard ass. Like, I got a review. We do regular reviews and surveys with our clients, as you probably know. And one of my clients, he was like, what can my coach do better? And he said, she should have called me a pussy for missing that deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> and so knowing who you can do that with and who you shouldn't do yeah. with and yeah, when exactly. it's right to do that with and when you shouldn't. And because if you're, if you're a coach that doesn't seem to care, then they'll, they'll go away yeah. and they won't train very much. So always trying to be the right coach at that right time. And it's tough because everybody's so different too. It's always something to learn there. There you go. Did you answer? Yeah. Oh, I think all of our responses yeah. kind of fell along yeah, the same yes. line. Yeah. Very interesting. We've never had this conversation together, but we're all saying similar things. Yeah. That was beautiful, Matt. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man's so the question was, any advice for especially women when they're training in commercial gyms? So you're always going to get someone who is just your champion, who knows more than you do about your squad, who's going to come up and tell you about it. Um, so I think it's best to interact with them as little as possible. Mm and say, thank you for that. I have a coach, I'm gonna do my set now. <laughs> Headphones really help a lot, um, but just kind of, I think it's okay to thank them, be like, I have a coach, and then just like try not to have any more dialogue with them and just kind of move along. Um, I had a guy <laughs> in the gym who, who, while I'm coaching a client, tell my client and me that he shouldn't be going past 90 degrees. <laughs> While I'm coaching my clients. <laughs> I had I brought my friend with me to squat one day and I had her squat, she did fine. And then while we were benching, I was benching and my friend was watching me and this girl came up to her and was like, I just wanted to tell you that you shouldn't squat like that because you're gonna break your back. And I was God. like, What is happening right now? <laughs> like, and I had seen her squatting and just like a really un it just kinda yeah. hurt me to watch her squat before. So there's always gonna be someone, but I think it's best just be like, Okay, thanks. And then just like go back to your barbell. <laughs> it's really entertaining though. And also just record all the dumb shit you see and upload it because oh, it's so true. entertaining. <laughs> I'd recommend that you gain 100 pounds and grow a beard. <laughs> no one ever helps And me. also <laughs> lift, lift more weight than them because they stop talking to you once they that's see true. how strong you yeah. are. Yeah, it's, it's, that's really fun. <laughs> Or just walk around with a dip belt on with a lot of weight on it. <laughs> like you're going to do chin-ups because then they're like, oh my god, that girl's going to do chin-ups with all that weight. <laughs> so the question was, would we rather be 20% better looking or 20% stronger? We're all stronger? fucking hot. Why would we need to be <laughs> I'd definitely choose better looking. <laughs> I would definitely choose strength. <laughs> I've been strong for years. I've never been better looking. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nick? Strength for sure. <laughs> Where's Brent Carter? Jane, answer for him. Say stronger. stronger. <laughs> 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 taller or more pounds on the 
300 more pounds on my total. <laughs> where, where can I apply the three inches? <laughs> <laughs> Brent, the questions uh, from Mike were, first one, uh, would you rather be 20% better looking or 20% stronger? Stronger is objective. Stronger is objective. We'll take it. We'll take it. No, no, 20% better looking. Yeah. I get 20% stronger. Okay. I can't necessarily get 20% You have some better control looking. over the strength. That's right. That's right. And then Easy question. This one I want to hear. Okay. Uh, would you rather have 300 more pounds on your total or be three inches taller? Three inches taller, because once again, I can eventually put 300 pounds on my total. Especially if you're three inches taller. Fuck yes. Yeah. Easy. Uh, how do you guys like to choose variations of the lifts when you program, like, you know, a tempo squat is ideal yeah. for someone having general balance sure. issues, things like that? It's gold star for you, Bingman. Thanks. Good question. <laughs> so, first off, the caveat here, right, is that novices shouldn't use right. variations. We don't use variations on the lift. I call them variations on the lift. That's usually what I'll call supplemental lifts, so if it's a variant on the actual main lift. And so I'll usually pick them based on a couple of different criteria. One is um, the lift adds stress because it adds range of motion. So it's a greater range of motion than the normal lift. Deficit deadlift is compared to a regular deadlift. So we get additional amount of stress. Tempo squat. More time under tension, so similar sort of thing, even though it might not be more range of motion because it's more time under tension, it takes longer to do, it's more stress. Or we get one that's a little shorter range of motion, but we can drive up <coughs> higher intensity. So something like a rack pull, especially after you practice it for a while, you ought to build a rack pull more than you deadlift from the floor, right? Uh, uh, press lockout, same sort of thing. You should press lockout eventually. First time you do press lockouts, you probably don't do as much as you press, and same thing for rack pulls. but. And then, the, and then the third piece is, so I always want to try to drive up intensity. I want to drive up intensity, or I always want to drive up stress, but I want to drive up stress either by increasing total amount of work via a greater range of motion or slowing down the bar, whatever, with, like, with the tempo, or I want to be able to give me an overload of intensity. So I've got two ends of the spectrum there for supplemental lifts. And then the third piece of that is, to help me also, sorry, <laughs> is I want to try to pick Weak weaknesses of my lifter, right? So if my lifter is weak in a specific spot, so like on a press lockout, if you're really good at throwing the weight, and you throw the weight and it, and it slows down or stops here and comes right back down, I'm gonna go right there, I'm gonna back it back down an inch or so, and I'm gonna make it right where you're like in no man's land. And you're gonna press from that spot. We're gonna try to make that sort of weak spot as strong as possible. And so that, and then it just, it also gives you some, uh, if all you've done for years is the main lifts all the time, which by the way, you can get strong forever on the main lifts all the time. You don't really have to have supplemental movements, but also just kind of nice and a fresh change of pace for people, especially if you get to the point where now you've trained long enough that you're advanced. So you're, you're hitting essentially all the lifts two or three times a week, all the time. It's really nice to have a little bit of a variant on the lift, right? And so we can create some additional stress, drive up some additional stress by longer range of motion, making the lift a little harder than it should be, or on the other end of the spectrum, making it heavier than it normally would be by making it a little easier. And, and just so. kind of based on those two broad categories of, you know, a higher intensity versus generally mm -hmm. more work, you can.
plug it in. Yeah, there's actually, for me, there's, I think there's actually very few that we use. And, and this is the other thing. We're constantly talking about this among the, the coaching staff on the different Slack channels and stuff that we're on. We all kind of come up with the same sort of lifts that we really like, right? Like, so for deadlifts, we like deficit deadlifts and rack pulls, right? Haltings. Like that's they're not or pause deadlifts like a pause deadlifts which is not the same thing as halt. I guess I like pause better. But there's not very many, right? For squats, we like a tempo squat. We like a chain pause squat, squat, pause squat, pin squat. That's about it, right? Uh, you know, for bench press, a board press, a slingshot, a pause, a longer pause, a two-second pause, and make it a little harder off the chest, that kind of stuff. And that's because we find those things actually work, right? They seem but, to carry over. But still within that, there's a lot of just coach preference. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just things sure. that you like to program, sure. things that you like to coach, things that you do yourself. You it all, it yeah, all matters. You know? I mean, I've never programmed a deficit deadlift, yeah. um, but I program rack pulls all the time. Yeah. You know, I program uh, the haltings, you know. Um, so. It's, there's there's some variability in, in, as far as like things that, that you yourself use or that you prefer to have your lifters do. But think about like a halting and a deficit deadlift are sort of fulfilling the same criteria, right? Two different lifts, both harder than a deadlift, more work, right? So they would both work. They could kind of be interchangeable. And they're like overloading the bottom of the lift. Yeah. Right, overloading the bottom. <laughs> Again, with the caveat that obviously novices aren't doing it. And when you do introduce these supplemental lifts, you're doing it like one at a time. Going back yeah. to the one variable at a time, introduce it, see what happens after a few weeks, you know, four, six weeks or so, before then making other changes. Yeah. Yep. And I would typically introduce that on a four-day split when you get to about the four-day split spot so that on your squat day, you're still doing your normal squat mm -hmm. and you do a deadlift variation. And on your deadlift day, you do a normal deadlift and a squat variation. And then same thing for press and bench press. Right. Main press. Variant bench, main bench, variant press.